Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. There, as we did last week uh, with, um, um, I forget what it was, Halloween jokes, there's no better way to begin a uh, sermon today with really bad daylight savings time jokes, okay? You ready, some, ready for some really bad daylight savings time jokes? I hope you are, because I've been working on these 25-7. That's good, right? That's good, wasn't it? 25-7. Listen, I don't get the reasoning behind switching to daylight savings time. I guess I'm still in the dark. Daylight savings time begins today. So that means I have to remind myself that the clock on my microwave will be wrong for the next several months. I just need to remind myself of that, okay? So you didn't get that one. That means I'm never going to change it. I'm just going to leave it. I need to remind myself it's going to be wrong. Well, today, for those of you guys, there's my bad daylight savings jokes. If you guys uh, haven't been with us, see a few of us that have joined us today after the series we've been doing. I want to tell you what we've been doing. We've been walking through the Old Testament as we're getting ready to go into the uh, Christmas season. We're going to do something similar to this in the Christmas season. I, it's just an idea still, but I, I need to talk to a couple people to make it happen. This one, as we go into the Christmas season, I like to do a lot of these in costumes. We're going to get into the New Testament. But in the past, in these last few weeks, we've been doing these through the Old Testament. Um, we've been ex- experiencing some, some Bible characters tell us who he is, he referring to Jesus. It's as if they're coming down from heaven and talking to us now and telling us how it is, telling you how their story, what they experience, connects to what, who Jesus is and what he has done uh, now is completed and now is fulfilled. So in the first week, we heard from Adam, uh, we've heard from Abraham, and last week we heard from Moses. And, and, and so today, in just a few moments after prayer, I'm going to take the approach, I'm going to give you this message from the perspective of Joshua in the Bible and try to attach as much of his personality as if he were standing here giving you this message this morning. So don't think if you're a guest with us this morning, don't think I'm about to lose my mind or anything. I'm still going to be me, but I'm going to be speaking to you as Joshua would. So I hope you can see in your, as we've done this series for three weeks now, you're able to, because part of the reason we do this is because we have a, we often have Christ followers have a hard time with the Old Testament. And today we're going to hit on one of those stories even more. These, these awkward stories in the Old Testament that we have to like explain. Yeah, God did that. That was all in the name of God. I know. I, I don't know what to say about that. Um, um, I have to rearrange my sock drawer and run away. Like we, we don't have anything to say. Sometimes these stories make us squirm uh, b- because we don't even know how it applies to the New Testament. What God was doing in the Old Testament. Why he was doing it. So I want to, sh- we've been trying to show you each week how G- it was always all about Jesus. And the Old Testament was always a longing for something better. But this isn't just a story. This isn't just about revealing how Jesus was in the Old Testament and this was always pointing to Christ. It's about you today. Recognizing what you have. And how if these guys from the Old Testament will come back to heaven and talk to us, they would be like, are you kidding me? You all got it really good. And we all need to recognize what it is we have so that we can respond to the living God today in this dispensation. So let me pray to you, pray with you as we begin this morning. Lord, 
Thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to, to share these words that have been passed on from generation to generation, and now they are in our hands, and we have the opportunity to be the people of God in such a time as this. Lord, soften our hearts and help us find our spot now in this story and reveal to us who he is, who Christ is to us in this moment. As if you are right in front of our face, but we are choosing another alternative. So Lord, help us to see you for who you are this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. My name is Joshua. That's right, Joshua. Joshua. How many of you have read my book in the Old Testament? I see one hand. See, this is what always happens to me. Nobody ever reads my book. Nobody ever reads my book. And oftentimes, maybe you've heard about it before, but the stuff in my book would make any Mel Gibson movie, Braveheart, Patriot, all the good ones, Daddy's Home, right? He would make all of those Mel Gibson movies, but would blow them out of the water if you would read all the things that actually took place in my book, in Joshua's book. And in this book, you know, maybe we can practice this because this is a lot of what my book was about. It was about conquest. And maybe you remember that last scene in Braveheart, what Mel Gibson said, you know, on his bed right before he passed away. Remember those words? Freedom! Now, it sounds better if you guys shout and scream afterwards. So let's practice that because we're going to need that a little bit more. And this is what it was like in my day to be Joshua. So I need you just to sh- just shout and get excited a little bit, okay? Right, at, right, right after I say those words, freedom! Ah! Yeah, that's what the book of Joshua, that's what my book is about. And none of y'all have even read it. Come on. But see, the reason why is because... Many of you maybe have heard of some of the things, or maybe somebody has told you before. Some of the stuff that is in there, yeah, it would make you squirm. It's not the kind of stuff that your pastor won't do a series on my book, will he? He's got to talk about all these awkward things, all these dark things that we did in the name of the living God. My book is highly adult content. But it revealed what conquest looked like. Many Christians today would be embarrassed, confused by what happened. In my book, see, whole, there was a whole family that was stoned. And I don't, they were stoned in, in the camp. We burned complete cities to the ground, leaving no civilians whatsoever. And we didn't just do this once. We did this in a whole region. We killed everyone in multiple regions in the name of the Lord. That's what happened in my book. My book, though, is a book of victory. It's the process. It is the process of claiming the promised land. It is a book of time and time again, an army doing things, an army of people, of basically people who were just slaves, who have been living in the desert, doing things that there is absolutely no way they could have possibly done if it, not, if it were not for the hand 
of the Lord. The things that we did would make your Buckeyes, the victory that we had would make your Buckeyes look like cowards, would make your Bengals look like weak, and would make your Browns look, that's not even a good comparison anyway, the Browns stink, but, but, that's, but that's what happened in, in my book. It was a book of victory, time and time again. And we made God feared among the nations. But today, in your culture, you often turn your heads at my book because you don't know what to do with it. It's as if you're ashamed at what we did, and or maybe you don't know, maybe you don't understand, you don't you don't understand why we did what we did, so let me tell you why you don't understand. Because you live in a dispensation of grace. You live in a time today where God has, where, where, where he has come. The one that we were waiting for has come and has died upon the cross for you and has now distributed grace for you to receive and grace for you to distribute to others, but we lived in the dispensation of the law. You don't understand. If we did not keep the law, there would be death. There would be consequences. See, there was a corporate responsibility to obey the law, and there was a personal. Like, even as, as an individual, if you didn't keep the law, eventually you would reap the repercussions and the consequences. But not only did individuals got to get their stuff together, the whole camp had to get their stuff together. We all had to be in agreement that we were going to do what the Lord says, or else, guess what? We would die. <laughs> See, that's the day I lived in. So we had to take his word very seriously. Obedience to the word of God meant victory for us. And we had to do whatever the Lord had told us to. So see, we realized that God would bring about his wrath and judgment if we did not. But we had to obey the commands. We had to all be on the same page. And we had to all be an agreement. And sometimes all of that came down to timing, to God's timing. Because there was a part in my life where Moses, our great leader before me, the great leader before me, sent us into the promised land. He told us, go tell us what the land looks like because we're getting ready to take it. And me and, and 11 other spies, along with my, my good companion, Caleb, we all went over into the promised land. And I was blown away because it was exactly what Moses and God said that it would be. It was a land plentiful. But you know what? Everybody else there, all the other spies except me and Caleb, were focused on the, how fortified it was. Focused on how big the people were and how we don't stand a chance against, this, against the people of this land. And so everybody else but me and Caleb came back. They weren't just grumbling. They were mad at Moses. Like, are you kidding me, Moses? Why would God bring us out of here? Why would you send us in to go to this fortified city that we stand no chance against? And God never told us to go in, to, to come back and give us his, and, and give us, excuse me, give him, um, our opinion of things. And so the people in the camp began to grumble. 
Now, I know, I know, you know, this is thousands of years later. I know many of you don't know what it's like to be a part of a negative culture, probably, right? Where people complain all the time and, and people point the finger at other people and make excuses. And it's always everybody else's fault but mine. And this is what happened when we came back from Canaan. Everybody said, Moses, why did you bring us out here? And it was an atmosphere of pessimism. And me and Caleb got to witness this with our own eyes, that this wasn't just a one-time thing. Wow, this whole idea of pessimism was going to plague this generation forever. And Moses told us that this whole generation would not even get to go now. They would spend the rest of their life here in the wilderness. And so I watched a whole generation of people pass away in their grumbling, in their negativity, knowing all along what could be. Until finally, the timing was right. The timing was right when our brave leader Moses had passed. And it was time for us to enter the promised land. It was time for me now to be the leader of this people. And I learned what happens when we disobey. And so the one thing I was going to be darn sure of was that we obey the commandments of the Lord. And this whole generation that I got to see that was ready to go into the promised land with me, they had a reverence for the Lord's command. This next one, they were willing to change. They were ready to say goodbye to all that they had ever known in the wilderness and ready to begin something totally different, to realize that from this moment on, your lives will not be the way that they were. They were willing to change, but most importantly, They were ready to fight. Everybody was going to be a part of this battle. Everyone was going to be a part of this conquest. And see here, I'm not going to go. I've already shared a few details of what happened next and and how we began to conquer all of these cities, annihilating complete populations of people. And, And my story may scare you, but I'm here to tell you that when you understand these things, there, we, we sense this too, that there had to be a better way, a better, a better way where we would no longer wrestle against flesh and blood, when death would not have to be the consequence for disobedience, but something had to be done about the disobedience of creation. And, and our time was a time where we feared God, but we always had a sense that something better was coming. Someone was coming who would be more than a conqueror. Someone was coming who would be the better leader. Someone was coming who would be the true savior. And someone was coming who would be the better warrior. So I want to tell you, talk to you about these three things in scripture today. Of who he is that you now get to experience. Christ, he is the great leader. See, in Joshua 1, 6 through 8, my, work, my book, it says, if you can put the text up there, Joshua 1, 6 through 8. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people, the Lord was speaking to me, who you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful 
to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. Leave it right there for a second, Nick. And see, see, that's, that was the mandate I was given. I had to hold so close to this word. I had to hold so close to the words of God. Can't find my Bible somewhere around here. But I had to, to hold so close to the words of the Lord. I could not stray from them or there would be consequences. So as so the Lord called me to keep this book of the law always on my lips and meditate on it day and night so that I might be careful to do everything that was in there. The way that I led Israel was real simple. I obeyed the Lord's commands. In a world that points the finger and says that it was someone else's fault, I would take the responsibility if we failed, and yes, the blood would be on my hands. That was the case when we were defeated by Ai. I'm not going to share that, but you can read about it in chapter 7, in Joshua chapter 7. The consequences of what happened when we were defeated and why we were defeated, it was really simple because we did not obey the commands of the Lord. But I tell you, church today, that a better leader was coming. In John 14.30, it says this. I will not say much more to you. These are Jesus' words. For the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father. And listen to this. And do exactly what my father has commanded me. Jesus is setting up this, this temptation, this, this, this paradox, this dichotomy between the, between the enemy and Christ, the temptation to not obey the word of the Lord. And Jesus led when he was here by doing exactly what the father commanded him. Jesus practiced the same model that I did, knowing that there would be temptation. So then, but there's also the responsibility that then that you have to this great leader who has come. See, you now have a responsibility to this great leader. And here's what it says. Here's what, here's what our responsibility is. He said, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my, my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily, D-A-I-L-Y, and follow me. See, Jesus mentioned a cross before the cross. Many people miss that in Scripture. We know where the story ends, and we don't know when Jesus was saying that, that he hadn't been, we don't catch that when Jesus was saying that, he hadn't been crucified yet. And he was taking this, the idea of a cross, the symbol of, of, great, um, uh, of great humility and taking upon the worst type of death someone could, could take upon themselves and being labeled as inferior, being labeled as a criminal, being labeled as one who was not worthy to live. And so we had a command. We have a responsibility today to take up our cross daily and follow him. So you see today, I want you to understand, those of you who have been called to follow this great leader, in my day, my people couldn't stay in the wilderness anymore. That's a, they didn't want to. 
They reverent the commandments of the Lord. They were hungry. They were tired of 40 years, 40 years in the wilderness. They were, they were exhausted. They were ready for change. They were, they were ready to obey the Lord, and they were ready to fight. But you can't stay put and become stagnant. You can't become lukewarm. You must press forward, man of God and woman of God. Your story is not over. Yes, you have to move. You have to move into the freedom. Are you going to yell for me here? Ah, that God has for you. Let's try that again. As the birthday boy said, that was weak. Freedom! You have to capture this with me, church. We were ready to fight. We knew what we were up against. But I think many of you here don't see yourselves as in a battle anymore. And instead, we're looking for other fights. We're, fight, we're finding petty things to fight about. We're finding petty battles to engage in. Did you see what she wrote about me on Facebook? Or did you see what he says? And oh, I'm going to post this because my life's better. I'm going to pretend that my life's better than hers. I mean, we find all these stupid things, these petty things now to engage each other with. But we were created for a real battle, and that's a battle that, that takes us into the freedom that Christ has for us. That we must be willing to move forward into the victory that the Lord has for us today. And as he is the great leader, he also is the great savior. That's right, savior. See, our names, it's funny how in English, Joshua and Jesus really, they, they could have been used interchangeably. Jesus could have been called Joshua. Joshua could have been called Jesus. Go ahead, look it up. It's really weird, but we kind of, it's a very similar name because they both mean the same thing, savior. He is the great Savior. I save my people from oppression, from falling into their own ways and dying in the wilderness. But in Matthew 1, 21, it says this. It says, she, will give, she, referring to Mary, will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. See, Joshua, my, my salvation, Joshua, was temporal. His salvation was eternal. My salvation was for a few in my day. His salvation was for a great number that no man can number. And church, I have to tell you today that salvation was not just a one-time thing. Many of us think that we were saved for heaven. Heaven is great. I've been there. But I want to tell you that this is not all. Heaven is not all that you were saved for. Many people get offended sometimes when we hear the words that well, we hear somebody say that Jesus came to save Christians as well. To save Christians from falling back into the, own, the old bondages that they, they had. From falling back into, in, 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 from living in bondages, calling themselves Christ followers, but never living in, in the freedom that God has for them. So I'm talking to you. He came to save you today. In this moment, from the things that hold you bound, from the things that, 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 that have you have, feeling like you have a sense of, you don't have a sense of hope, that, 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 that cause stagnation in your life, that cause fear in your life, that cause worry in your life, that cause you to, to, to find ways of hatred and vengeance towards other people rather than seeing 
uh, someone as one to be loved and to understand. Christ followers today often bind themselves with the worries of life, with hatred, vengeance, pride, addiction, and he came to save you right now on this day. The last one I want you to understand is that he is the great warrior. I led the way in the greatest conquest in Scripture, but someone was coming who would be a greater warrior and conqueror. You know why? Because his work on the cross and the power of the Holy Spirit, he makes you more than conquerors. See, Romans 8, 37 through 39 says this, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And here's what he says in 1 John 4, 4. He says, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because, hear this, the one who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So I want you to get this in your spirit today. This is what I came back from heaven to tell you. I want to show you how this is all connected. It wasn't about Joshua. My name was Savior. I was a conqueror. I was a leader. I was a warrior. I was a savior. But I was always, my work was pointing to a better conqueror, to a better warrior, to a better savior. I was always pointing to Christ. That one day he would come and give you the power of the Spirit of God. That today you could recognize the truth from these passages. That you are more than a conqueror. And he who is in you is greater than he who is in this world. I'm going to say that one more time. You are more than a conqueror. He who is in you is greater than he who is in this world. That's not very long, so you can say that with me. You ready? You are more than a conqueror. He who is in you is greater than he who is in this world. We're going to say it one more time so you can get that in your spirit. You are more than a conqueror. He who is in you is greater than he who is in this world. Now, now it's your turn. Now you got to own it. Now you got to believe something about yourself. You got to believe something about yourself that I believed in you when this conquest was happening, that someone better was coming. You got to believe something about yourself that Jesus believed in you. Like when he called 12 disciples who were just normal, average, everyday people that weren't the best of the best. See, we forget the mystery. We think we make this all about believing in Christ, but we forget that God believes in you. That he has made you more than a conqueror. So now, I want to hear you louder, louder in this moment, because now we're going to put the word I. It's no longer going to be you. All right, we're going to say this together. I wish I put that on the screen, but you know it. I'll say it real quick. I am more than a conqueror. He who is in me is greater than he who is in this world. You ready? I am more than a conqueror. He who is in me is greater than he who is in this world. <coughs> I've come back from the Old Testament to remind you of what you have, to remind you of the day that you live in. 
but also to remind you that your battle is not over. I learned to obey and that his ways are right. And when we obey, we have victory. And if I were here today, yeah, I'd be leading the charge in this new dispensation. But as appointed unto man wants to die and wants to face the judgment. And so this is just a metaphor this morning. I'm really not here. Joshua has moved on, but now the question that as your pastor, I would ask you, Will you lead your family? Will you be a leader in your church? Will you experience obedience to the will of the Lord? Will you experience the victory of the Spirit of God, overcoming bondage, temptation, and the pride of this world? That was Joshua's day, but today is yours. Let's pray. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for the words of, for for the book of Joshua that reminds us that we are more than conquerors, that he who is in us is greater than he that is in this world. As Jesus is the great conqueror, the great leader, the great warrior, the great savior. But now, as we follow you, as we follow our leader, as we receive the grace and the power given to us by our Savior, we, we are reminded that we are more than conquerors in your name. We, he who is in great us, is, he who is in us is greater than he that is in this world. And these aren't meant to just be lip service, but Lord, we are here to receive it in the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, all across this room, I believe that there's someone that needed to be reminded of this today that you are ready to work in their life if we will only let you. You're ready to work in their life if they will say yes to your truth and not to the pride of this world, to the vengeance of man, the, the selfish ambition. Just simply say yes to the call of God in your life. We say yes to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you to stand at this time for your benediction. Well, you already know what this one is. You are more than a conqueror. And he who is in you is greater than he who is in this world. Let's do it one more time. And we're going to put the I there. I and me. You ready? I am more than a conqueror. And he who is in me is greater than he who is in this world. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.